Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Besides that website, you can also find the show on iTunes, which is Apple Podcasts, as well as on Spotify and lots of other podcast platforms. There are links to Now Hear This Entertainment on at least a half dozen podcast apps at nhte.net. In addition to what's listed there, the show is also on the likes of Overcast, Himalaya, Podcoin, Player FM, and more. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Germany, my guest is the bass player on tour with Pink, although my guest did just release an EP of her own last month. My guest is also the first female artist to have a signature bass with Fender. She has also toured with the likes of Gwen Stefani, Cher, Moby, and Veruca Salt. You've been hearing a song of hers entitled Dirty Bird. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Eva Gardner. Hello. Hi, Bruce. Hi, Eva. Thanks for making time to do this. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for having me on. You bet. Let's start off by having you first tell the listeners about the song of yours that we were just playing called Dirty Bird. Yes. So Dirty Bird, I wrote wrote this last year, and uh, it's basically about... um, it's about uh, a certain relationship I was in or, and uh, the way that that relationship made me feel. And it, it basically, sometimes when you jump into something pretty quickly, you can kind of get lose yourself a little bit. And I felt that happening. And um, he kind of like took over. And I, I uh yeah, like I just kind of lost myself and, and he made me feel a certain way. And, um, the song is about that and, um, and about just getting too into the other person and, and forgetting who you are and what you want and kind of putting your foot down and, and not allowing them to make you feel like a piece of poop. (laughs) And he also made you feel a way that makes songwriters say, I'm going to write a song about you. (laughs) Exactly. Because I, you know, there were so many emotions happening. It was like, it was, it was disappointment. It was sadness. There was anger. There was resentment. So I just, the way that I dealt with that is I just like put it all on paper, so to speak, and just got it out. And it actually made me feel a lot better. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say it's therapeutic. And at the same time, as much as I did laugh when I said that, I think people need to realize when they are in a relationship with the songwriter that everything is fair game, whether they want it to be or not. And it could very well end up on paper, meaning in the form of a song. Yes, exactly. And I, and I actually got over it much quicker than um, I probably would have otherwise if I didn't write write about it or get it out, so to speak. Otherwise, it just sits in your head and becomes scrambled eggs. And um, and uh, that's that's not much fun. So it was helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then people ask you, are you over it? And you say, have you heard my song called Dirty Bird? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. 
It's, it actually saved me some some time in therapy, I think, which was which was good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At the end of May, you had put out a video for that song. I'm interested in hearing you talk about the making of the video, and especially as someone who I just came back from L.A., and there's a hotel in the Hollywood Hills that I've been staying at on my last couple trips out there. So I've got to know how you were able to get such a great shot with the Hollywood sign in the background. Oh, it's actually, I was at a house uh, up in the Hollywood Hills. So I was lucky enough um, to be able to use that location. And uh, it was just like the, the perfect, um, the perfect shot. It worked out great. Nice, nice. But listeners do make sure that you go and watch the video itself. It, very well done, Eva. It's a, it's a great looking video. Just talk about how long it took to make it, who you worked with on it, that type of thing. Um, my friend, Jessamine Violet, who is also a drummer, actually, she, uh, but she's um, she's so, so talented in so many ways, and she's also um, makes makes films is involved with films. So she actually just on her own, she just came up with this with this idea, and um, we hired one other person to to shoot the video. And she pretty much was a one stop shop. She she wrote it, she directed it, she produced it, she edited the whole thing, and wow. we did it in the day. Wow. And um, we shot it all in a day and the turnaround was pretty quick. I mean, it was it was done within a couple of weeks and, and ready to go after a couple little tweaks. But for the most part, it was an amazing experience working with working with her and um, and uh, Josue Mendoza, who was the um, who shot it. And it was like a dream team. It was fantastic. Just the three of us in a house and, and we knocked it out pretty quickly. And the filmmaker that you mentioned, is she the one that we see playing drums on that rooftop? Yep, she makes an appearance as a drummer in the, okay. in the video. Yep. Am I reading too much into it? Is there a reason why you showed just the two of you and not other instruments playing? Um, that actually was just the last minute because we were going to do some live sort of music shots on the roof. And I was like, hey, why don't you just... It was super last minute. And so she okay. we just put it all together and um, just threw it together. So it wasn't... It wasn't really pre-planned at all. It just kind of happened, and gotcha. thought it would be fun to just throw in another person. Yeah. Add some dynamic. And I'm sure you never have your base too far away that <laughs> you can grab it and go up there. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, congrats on the new EP, which just came out last month and is called Chasing Ghosts. Tell the listeners all about this project, the number of songs, where you recorded it, who you worked with on it, those type of details. Sure. So I ended up doing a five song EP um, and I wrote these songs for the most part on um, a lot of it on the road, actually on tour in, in the last couple of years. And I technology is where it is at now. It's where I can actually have a small enough little recording rig and just my laptop and uh, just wrote these songs pretty much on um, in between shows on days off before heading to soundcheck and any little moment that I could and just um, knocked them out pretty quickly. So I had this batch of songs and uh, decided to just do five because I didn't want to bite off more than I can chew and I wanted to make sure that I could finish it while I was on tour. Mm. So on little tour breaks while I was at home for a couple weeks here and there, I'd go into um, my friend's studio in Joshua Tree and um, I programmed all the drums on the demos. So I wanted to have my uh, live drums on it. So I had my friend play live drums and uh, redid the vocals and um, just put it into uh, a studio to have them just kind of EQ it and make it sound better and, and run it through their gear. So um, so I thought five songs was something that I could accomplish that with and, and just made it happen. 
But was it five songs, meaning that's all you ended up writing, or did you write maybe one or two or three more, and you whittled it down to just those five? I've got a lot. I've got a ton of songs. I've got a lot more, but uh, we chose me and um, my friend whose studio it is. We we picked f- five of the songs that we would that we uh, would would use just to be able to um, like. I initially I wanted to do an album, like a full length album, but I also wanted to finish it. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I thought that uh, by doing an EP, I would actually be able to finish it, and I can. Um, my plan is to do another EP. Um, somewhere in the near future. I'm not sure exactly when, but um, but I'm still writing. I've got more songs and um, just thought I would do little chunks at a time. And also, I think the way that people consume music now anyway, it's it's not like you have to do a full album anymore. I mean, a lot of people release singles now because um, that's just the way that people listen to music now and consume music. It's gone to the days where everyone's sitting down and putting on a record and listening to it from start to finish because it was designed as a journey. Um, so, um, so you know, and, and taking that into consideration, too, I, ch- I chose to do an EP. Yeah, indeed. I'm sitting here nodding my head yes as you're saying so much of what you're saying because I've said so many times on this show that it has become a singles-driven industry and more and more we do see artists going to EPs instead of full albums. And it also allows you to get out music quicker, number one meaning the technology, and number two, if you have to do, if you only have to do half the work to get out an EP, then it's done sooner and then you can start working towards your next EP sooner. So I'm, I'm right yeah, there with exactly. you. exactly. I'm glad that you pointed out about that you were doing program drums and then had live drums when you went to the studio, though, because watching that video of yours, getting back to the question that I asked about where were the other players, obviously we hear these songs and they're fully developed, and so I did wonder, well, I wonder who else she had playing on the project, but it sounds like you're saying, well, some of it I just programmed as I was doing demos, and then... I had him take over from there and live drums, and he may have programmed others or played himself. I don't, I don't know. You can fill in those blanks. Well, I, I I'll tell you this: um, most of what you hear on this on this EP on these songs, I did on my own, like wow. just in Logic on my laptop. I I also travel with a little uh, a keyboard controller and um, the guitar and a bass, and uh, I use Logic, and I. Um, Pretty much the songs were done. They were finished. I wow. most of the production I already did. I just did on my own by myself. And so when I brought these songs into the studio, I just gave them stems of all my of all my tracks that I did. Um, so I just had a drive, gave them all my stems. They loaded them into the program. I wanted live drums, so I did live drums. And um, uh, my friend played a couple of solos and a couple of lead parts. Like okay. there's a little bit of lap steel on there. Um, and uh, Pretty much that's it. Uh, most it's that's pretty much all me. What I did in in hotel rooms and and in my studio at home. That's tremendous, and I'm glad that you mentioned Logic because I was going to ask you for those out there that are listening, what software did you use? So thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, I love Logic. I, I, I it's been really great for me personally because it's really easy to get ideas out, and I think that's a lot of like when I have an idea. Um, if there's too much hubbub with like gear and things and plugging things in, sometimes for me, I lose steam. Um, and so to be able to have logic and, and have all those, um, it's just such a great program for writing because all the, there's so many different 
loops and libraries and sounds. And, and I think that really helps for me personally to get ideas out there and, and to help with that creative process because it's all there at your fingertips. Well, and when you do have a schedule like yours and the demands on your time and those windows are limited, all of a sudden you have one of those creative moments. You got to capture that and you got to be able to get to something quickly where you can put down exactly what's in your head. So it sounds like you're saying that's what this affords me. Exactly. Yeah, because my windows are small, and I'm literally in a different city either every day or every other day. So it's got to be easy. It's got to be quick. It's got to be efficient. And um, that that program and the gear that I have is allowed for that. I use Apogee, an Apogee um, interface. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, don't get me wrong. Obviously, there is a long, long, long line of musicians who would absolutely love to play one show with someone like Pink, not to mention tour with her. But at the same time, is it kind of bittersweet having your EP come out and you're not in a position to have, say, a formal release party, so to speak, maybe try to do some shows immediately around the release to promote it? It's not bittersweet at all. I mean, I, I chose I chose this timing. I mean, I could have waited till I was off tour, um, which is like, you know, a while from now. So yeah. I chose this because I thought it was I, – I really wanted to just put it out there and – I'm also playing these really, really incredible shows in these incredible places, and it just seemed like a good time to um, just have something to show for myself as well. And um, and I'm having a, I'm a lot of fun with it. I like to stay busy, so um, I'm definitely staying busy with this, and I'm releasing vinyl, and ah. um, it's a it's a fun project for me while I'm while I'm out on the road because I it's like you know wearing this. Uh, well-oiled machine chugging along and I'm I'm traveling to all these wonderful places and meeting all these wonderful people um and it just seemed like why not why not put it out there if it's ready if it's ready to go why not do it keep it moving you know yeah yeah well and I imagine that when you get back the last thing you want to do is exhale and say okay so now I've got all these shows that I have to play to promote it or all these shows that I have to plan to get out and promote the EP. So I, I, I appreciate the explanation. It, it makes sense hearing you say that. What, what is this about vinyl, though, that you were mentioning? Yes, I decided I wanted to put it on uh, on some sort of format. And uh, I love vinyl anyway. And it seemed like it would be really fun to have my music on vinyl and to listen to it on a record player, which is the way that I consume a lot of music. So uh, it's coming out. It's available for purchase now. And um, it's, I'm not sure, the vinyl takes a little while. I'm not sure exactly when it's going to be ready, but you can pre-order it now on my shop, on my website. Fantastic, fantastic. And listeners, it turns out that Eva and I have a mutual acquaintance. No big surprise, given how small the music world gets, the longer that you're in this business. And he's someone that I know because of Tascam, and you know that I use all Tascam gear to record Now hear this entertainment. In fact, next week, I'll be heading to Nashville for the Summer NAMM show. And thanks to Tascam, I will have all the portable recording gear that I need to get interviews on site while I'm in Music City. They have recording solutions for musicians at all levels. So whether you're doing demos at home or you want to record a big live show that you're going to play or right on up to the touring professionals, there's something for everyone. Check it all out at Tascam.com. That's T-A-S-C-A-M dot com, and then find a dealer. 
Eva, it looks like you'll be in Europe until close to mid-August. What is the plan after that once you get back to the States since the, the EP is done and out? Well, uh, yeah, we get back from Europe mid-August and then we have some more shows in North America. Uh, there's a couple of one-offs uh, in the fall. And aside from that, the the general plan for me is to get a band together and, and do some shows. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Any vision for where those will be, meaning geographically? Uh, probably where I live, which is Los Angeles. Start there, see how it goes, and um, and that's that's the as far as I've gotten. <laughs> <with that. laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens, but just taking it step by step right now. Sure, sure. Well, I mentioned Tascam a minute or two ago. Speaking of gear, wow! I I know you've been at this a while, but. When someone refers to you being the first female artist to have a signature bass with Fender, which I mentioned in the intro, I imagine that doesn't get old. That's got to be a pinch me as this real kind of accomplishment on your resume, yes? Absolutely. I still pinch myself. It still does. <laughs> like, even when you said it, I was like, oh my God, that happened. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. I was actually going to say I'm in Germany now, and and um, it all started in Germany. So it's it's cool to be back here because it was uh, it was the idea was sparked um, at a German trade show here called Music Messe. So I'm, I'm thankful to them. I was going to ask you to go ahead and tell that story because we do have listeners of the show who are trying to learn from the guests every week, and when they hear about endorsement deals, I know they scratch their head and say. How can I finally get an endorsement deal someday? So just go ahead and tell that story anyways of how that came together. Sure. So uh, being endorsed by Fender, I was actually on a uh, rhythm section clinic tour here over in Europe with Mark Schulman, who's our drummer, and his drum company, Gretsch, was uh, owned by Fender at the time. So Fender hired us to do our rhythm section um, our rhythm section clinic, which is which is a lot of fun. So we were touring around here. One of our stops on, on our tour was the Music Mess in Frankfurt, and uh, we were with Fender Germany, and we were looking around at all the signature bases, like, you know, Roger Waters and, and everyone who had one, and, and um, one of the guys said, hey, you should have one of these, and I kind of, at first, was just like, oh, yeah, ha, ha, wouldn't that be great? And he said, no, I'm serious, and he got the ball rolling, and and, uh, and that's how it started, and then, and then a while later, I ended up actually having my own signature base. Wow. With Fender. Wow. Yeah, so I, ha I have Fender Germany to thank for that. And again, just to hold the hand of that listener who's an up-and-comer, did you literally go through that with them yourself, or was there someone on your behalf who they were setting this up with, like a, a manager, a publicist, something like that? No, it was pretty much me, and I had, um, I actually had a friend who who acted on my behalf as well as in a managerial role and, and helped with sort of the, the official emails with the, um, with the, with the fender officials and just sort of help facilitate it, those things in that way. But as far as the design and talking to them about all the particulars, that was, that was me sitting in the fender custom shop with, with the guy there and, and telling them what I wanted and speaking wow. to them and walking through it all with them. Wow, fantastic. And that's a credit to them to stand behind what they're marketing, that it's an Eva Gardner signature base, meaning that you really did say, this is what I like, this is what I want to see, this is if something's going to have my name on it, this is what I want it to look like. 
Yeah. Listeners, if you never heard episode 238 of this show, go back and listen to that one. I interviewed Mark Shulman that Eva just referred to, the drummer on the Pink Tour. Eva, I know you all become family being out there together performing and spending time on the road for so long, but how much more important are those relationships as it relates to other work that you might get on another project courtesy of someone that you toured with? They're incredibly important and your your net worth is your net worth. You know, it's like we all, I mean, Mark is the reason why he, why we even put this rhythm section tour together. Um, it just kind of developed as us, us on his own. And then between the two of us, we were, Mark already had a, a wonderful speaking career. So um, that just snowballed into what became a really cool rhythm section clinic tour and, and um so, and we also played with, uh, with share together and, uh, we do all kinds of other gigs together and, and those relationships are really, really important. And also, I mean, every gig that I've played meeting someone from that show, the musical director or one of the musicians, it's like, they recommend you for other things down the line because they, they know your work ethic. They know who you are. They know you're, you're cool to hang out with. Um, you're a great player. You, you come prepared, all these things that come with wanting wanting to work with someone and recommending someone. So that network is, is very, very important, not just from a business perspective, but, but, um, you know, also being a, being a good person and being someone that's, that's easy to hang out with and, and, um, that can also get the job done. Yeah. I'm glad that you described all that because listeners, I want you to very clearly take to heart what Eva is saying, because it's not just, I got the gig. I can kind of put it on cruise control now. Your your coworkers, your bandmates are watching you, and they are looking to see how do you handle yourself on and off the stage. Because just like I said, with Eva putting her name on a base, it's the same thing. If they're going to recommend you on another project, they want to know that their reputation is solid, and this person's going to get a good referral from someone like Mark Shulman to say, "Yes, Eva is a pro." You'll love her. She's great. So it just feeds into each other so much that those relationships are hugely important. And does it lead to other work? Yeah, it probably does. But on the personal side, Eva, I'm sure that these people are, like I said, like family to you. They're just becoming best friends the more and more and more that you play with them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is my 12th year with Pink, and um, I'm still one of the newest members of the band. I mean, we've been <laughs> together a long time. Wow. <laughs> so it's a, it's a family. It's definitely a family. Well, and if you think about the fact that you spend more time with those people off stage than you do on stage, then mm -hmm. you really have to be someone that has that type of personality where you can get along with others well and you're not closed off and you're not just there to perform in the band because they're counting on you to be a part of the road family. Absolutely. I mean, we share very small spaces, <laughs> you know, like we live on a tour bus, we're in, in dressing rooms and we're always around each other. And, and a lot of it is, is being considerate of other people and, and just little things, little things like cleaning up after yourself, being, con being considerate of just, you know, loud phone calls, whatever it is. It's like just being very, very considerate of the, the, all the other people that you're around and then you're on tour with and the offstage relationship is is very very important sometimes you know it's like you can be the best player in the world but if you're not easy to get along with then it, it might who wants to who wants to be around that amazing I, you took the words right out of my mouth excuse the meatloaf reference but i, I was <laughs> just about to say that 
you know, you can be the best bass player, you can be the best drummer, you could be the best guitar player, but you got to be a good person. And people are going to say, yeah, they're a good musician, but the person's a jerk, you know, and nobody wants to have that attached to their name, or you're not going to get the work that you'd like to get. Yeah, well, I think a lot of it, too, it's, it's like, who you are as a musician is like, when you're on stage, you have to be aware, you have to be aware of the other people in the band, you have to listen to the drummer, you have to listen, you, you have to listen, you have to be aware, you have to be open. And the same goes for when you get off stage as well, you have to be aware, you have to be open, you have to listen, <laughs> you have to be considerate. It's a lot of the same, a lot of the same rules. Yeah. And if you think about it, you're going into the workplace and listeners, if you're doing a nine to five somewhere, when you go into that workplace, it's the same kind of respect that you would like from your coworkers there. So why is it any different? Because it's the music business. You got to be a good person. You got to be a good coworker. And and that goes like to everybody because you never know, you know, there might be like two people at your show, which happened, has happened to me a lot, <laughs> you know, and when I was like first starting out and and it's like your parents and the bartender or whatever, you know, but you're still playing the, the same show, whether there's two people, 20 people, 2000 people, because you know what, maybe that bartender that's there that night knows somebody who knows somebody, or maybe they're in a band, or maybe you, you never, never know, or maybe they're later on down the line, they'll become a musical director. You just never, never know who you're going to meet down the line. And, um, and always just putting on your, your best face, your best show being nice to everybody. Be nice to your bartender. Tip your bartender because you yeah, never know. For sure. <laughs> you know, just as an example, you never know. For sure. Well, and listeners, last week on episode 282, you heard Veronica Fusaro talk about how she got the opportunity to play at the Glastonbury Festival. Again, it had to do with someone having been at one of her shows four weeks ago on episode 279. Frankie Ray talked about exactly what Eva Gardner just said, which was that she was at a show where there was literally nobody there other than the bartender, and lo and behold, she does a Facebook Live. A musician friend is watching, shares it, and someone sees it and says, mm-hmm. who is this? We just opened up a venue where we want to start booking live music. I'd like to get in touch with her. So yeah. you always got to put on the best show, whether there's one person there or a 1,001 people there. Yep, and and being prepared for those shows too. Like sometimes you're playing a show where you don't really think that it's going to do anything or whatever, but you're still, you still got to put in the same effort. You still got to be prepared and know the songs. And again, cause you never know how those, the, the, another musician in that band might need someone down the line for something, you know, it's yeah. just putting on your best face and your best show and your best game. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I got the way that I got the pink gig was the call that I got um, from someone. I did an audition for a TV show and uh, I didn't get that audition. It was for uh Rockstar in excess, um, where they were trying to find a new singer for in excess, mm-hmm. and uh, that didn't work out. But the musical director from that show remembered me and called me two years later. Wow! When when Pink was looking for someone because he's also her musical director. Wow. So it's another example of of that happening. I mean, literally, t- it took two years, but that that one audition that I that I didn't get turned into something incredible. Amazing, amazing, and that shows that. When you go on an audition, you think you're just going to audition for that TV show or that part in a film or whatever it is. And lo and behold, somebody might be looking at you and the wheels are turning on a completely different project. So that, that's a great story, Eva. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is more than you might realize getting off stage and talking to people who attended your show as fast as you can can be really really beneficial pose for pictures sign autographs hang out at or real near to your merchandise table this is when the connections are made and can be the difference maker between someone simply being at your show and then becoming a fan who's going to come back again who's going to buy your merch and who's going to perhaps most importantly tell others about you, which means potentially more new fans. I know you have to be concerned about your gear and tear down, and it has been a long night, but strike while the iron is hot. Get out front and talk to whoever wants to, whether that's one person, 10 people, or 50 people. When you see them come back another time, you'll be glad you did. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. That's really great to know, isn't it? Very helpful, right? Bruce gives out a tip just like that on every episode of this show, and there's an easy way to get all those that he gave out over the first 160 episodes. The ebook series called Bruce's Bonus Book contains four volumes, and they're all available for purchase and immediate download at www.brucesbonusbook.com. Order yours now for helpful tips that you can apply to your career right away. Listeners, check out these numbers. The Pink Show in Amsterdam last month drew a crowd of 52,000 for the opening night of the European Stadium Tour. Then about 10 days later, 82,000 in Belgium. And more recently, Eva, y'all got to play at Wembley Stadium. Are, are these the biggest crowds that you have ever performed in front of? And if so, is it just all adrenaline and excitement or are there some nerves or, or maybe both? Uh... <laughs> Well, interestingly, I've, I've played to bigger crowds uh, in festival settings, but but to be playing to, um, I mean, we did a stadium run in 2010 as well, but these, I mean, I haven't played Wembley before. Mm-hmm. Um, two nights at Wembley sold out. Uh, I mean, these, these shows are just so epic, and um, the show's at a level now where, everyone's just on top of their game. I mean, Wembley was like a pinnacle for me, considering that it all started out with my dad, who was a bass player, and he was from London. So going back to London and just playing to these crowds and in the place that where it all kind of started, um, it's definitely adrenaline. They're sure there's definitely, <laughs> definitely some nerves. Uh, <laughs> um, it's a lot of things. It's a lot of things, but mostly um, exhilarating and, and thrilling. So exciting. So exciting to be here. Can you talk maybe from an advice perspective about you have to get over those nerves really fast because, as you say, here's a sold-out Wembley Stadium, and you're going, oh, my gosh. But yes, oh, my gosh, but here we go. First song, let's go. So how how do you quickly get over those nerves? Well, there was a lot of nerves for Wembley in particular because they were filming those two shows. Ah. So there was, like, double, like, so many cameras um, there's already a lot of a lot going on in, in the air because everyone's kind of, uh, you know, there's a lot of, uh, of excitement, but there's also a lot of tension because there's a lot of pressure. And the first show at Wembley also to be also happened to be like 90 degrees oh my gosh. <laughs> at like 9 p.m. It was so hot. Everyone was just sweating all their makeup off. 
And so there was a lot, there was a lot going on, but, but when that happens when you're really pushed and you're really have all that pressure, you know, for me, you just have to reel it back in and just remember that we're here to play a show. We're all sharing a stage. We're all here for, for the audience. The audience is here for us and, and just to have fun with it because that's why we're all here in the first place. So I think coming back to that place where we're, we're here to have fun and I think that can take off some of that, some of that pressure because that can make for, you know, when you overthink things and, and uh, sometimes that's, that can, that can uh, be your worst enemy when you're overthinking things and you're trying so hard and um, I think relaxing into it and just remembering that we're there to have fun really helps. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Well, and a lot of it too is it's probably muscle memory. And so you just, like you said, I like that you said, don't overthink it because you've been playing the bass for so long. You've been playing a lot of these songs for so long that it's just relax and let it happen. It's going to come naturally to you because you have been doing it for so many years. I know it's, easier said than done to just relax. But I've found that um, if you find a tool that helps you, whether it be taking a walk or breathing exercises or some sort of physical exercise, whether going to the gym or yoga, or I've been doing a lot of Qigong recently, that's been helpful. So I think having something like that can help to get out of your head because sometimes our minds can be our, our worst enemy. When we overthink things and just thoughts are we're worrying, we're worrying about making a mistake or all these things that um, that can be daunting. Um, but having something outside of yourself, some sort of physical acti- activity, can 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 really help. Yeah, I like it. That's good advice. And listeners, I would also add to that: get yourself where you're being filmed from day one. So you're used to having a camera in your face. And if it comes to a point where the crowds get bigger and the filming gets bigger, you're already used to it. In the meantime, I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Germany by bass player Eva Gardner. Visit her official website at evagardner.com. There, of course, will be a link to it from the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you're there, you'll see links to find Eva on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Her new EP, Chasing Ghosts, is streaming on Spotify if you want to follow her on there, too. But support Eva by purchasing downloads of her new EP from Apple Music. And if you're listening to this in Europe, get on pinkspage.com to see tour dates so that you can go see Eva perform live. If you are an aspiring performer yourself... Spend some time looking around nhte.net. I am not just a podcaster. I do work in a publicist, a management, a consultant role with singers, songwriters, musicians, and so on, and have been doing so for probably 15 years now. On the homepage, you'll see an article titled Video Consultations Now Available. Click through there to schedule a private one-on-one session with me where you can talk directly about the challenges you're having and benefit from all my years in the business. Not only can we video chat, but we can even share screens if you need me to look over some of your promotional efforts and give you feedback. Hit nhte.net and then click on the home button to go find that video consultations now available article so you can get on your way to booking a confidential one-on-one session with me. Eva, you mentioned before the story about how you got the opportunity to 
tour with Pink to play with her and, and for so many years that you've been doing it. But for those up-and-comers who are listening and are getting starry-eyed hearing that, how realistic is it for someone to aim for that type of spot someday? Because I'm thinking about some athletes who have said how small the percentages of of college athletes that actually ever get to the pros. And so in the music business, I wonder, is that a realistic goal for someone to set? Or is it, I hate to burst everyone's bubble, but it's a very, very, very small percentage. Um, I think it absolutely can be a realistic goal. If someone is dedicated and motivated and has a good attitude and a positive attitude and is into being open and meeting people, and playing different kinds of shows and being a versatile player and continuing to grow as a player and as a person and not just saying like, Oh, I went to school. I know everything that I know. Here's my, here's my stick. Um, for me, I've continued to grow, uh, on all the different gigs that I've played. I've, I've learned different instruments. I've, I've expanded my skill set, And I think that that can make you a more valuable player. And if you're open to those things, um, sure anything's possible yeah and if you're a good networker that's going to help tremendously as well <laughs> absolutely um and i think a lot of it is just is just really being positive and open because people like to be around positive energy um no one wants to be around the black cloud so i think the people that are all doom gloom, like oh i'll never get a good gig or that gig sucked or why doesn't anything happen for me i mean that's that's not helping you yeah exactly Yep. Yep. Attitude is a huge, huge part of it. And and people will see it. They're not going to want to offer a gig to someone who sees the glasses half empty. Exactly. And I think as well as attitude, gratitude. I mean, gratitude for the, for the wins, for the, for the positive things that, that do happen or a great gig that you had or a wonderful experience that you had playing music with the, with the kind of person or whatever it is, just the, like, look at all the, the wonderful things that happen in your life, not just musically, but, you know, the free coffee I got the other day. Like, really generating um, the, a, a grateful attitude can can um, expand into all areas of your life. And how. And how. Well, Eva, changing the subject a little bit here, who are some of your bass player heroes? And then also... What do you do in your time off stage to keep up with the latest developments in the world of bass playing? Um, some of my bass heroes, um, John Paul Jones, I love Led Zeppelin, Brock Prestia, Tower Power, I love, love, love him, um, James Jamerson, all the old Motown stuff. Um, those are some, those are some of my favorites. Um, to keep up with the bass community, um, uh, yeah, I think I think um, that's a great question. Uh, I, ha- I listen to a lot of podcasts. I read different blogs. I um, just try to keep an ear out for for what's going on now, the, like music that people are releasing. Instagram's a big one, <laughs> you know, people you follow <laughs> uh, on your on your news feeds, um, Twitter, things like that. Um, I think that we're so we're so connected uh, right now. It's it's easy to keep up on all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, thankfully, thankfully. If you want to, you know, if you're if you if you look for it, definitely. Yep, that's right. And listeners, you know that I'm always talking about Boulder Creek guitars, who, by the way, make acoustic bass guitars. 
in addition to ukuleles and, of course, acoustic guitars. In fact, Chris Donahue, the bass player for Emmy Lou Harris, was on episode 248 of this show talking about why he plays Boulder Creek. I'm expecting to meet up with him next week when I'm in Nashville. And another bass player, Mick Mahan, who also plays Boulder Creek, he performs with Pat Benatar. He was on episode 257 of this show. These players are choosing Boulder Creek because of the great sound, which is due in large part to the suspended bracing system. Learn about that. Check it all out at bouldercreekguitars.com. That's B-O-U-L-D-E-R, bouldercreekguitars.com. Look at their artist roster while you're on their site as well. Eva, we're almost out of time, but I do want to ask, on your website, there is an art section. Is visual art something you're able to devote time to when you're not out touring? And if so, what vision do you have for that medium? I enjoy visual art when I'm on and off tour. I actually tour with this, I have a set of watercolors out with me right now and some, some pens. And it's just another outlet for me when I'm home at a, an art space where I can actually um, kind of splash paint, and, so to speak. And uh, so I, I definitely enjoy that. I've sold a lot of my pieces. I've, um, it's just another facet of, of my creativity, but I, I love it because it's it's different to music. It's still creative, but it's just another side of of the coin. And um, and I, going to art museums and when I'm traveling and and um, just being exposed to all these wonderful places where all these wonderful artists did their thing and being able to see a lot of these pieces and it's just inspiring for me. So I love the visual side as well. I like it. Yeah. And it's a different form of expression. If you're in a mood where there's no words that you can put to what you're feeling, it's a different outlet for you to creatively express it and come up with something that other people can benefit from as well, just like a song. And there's no rules either. I mean, you can literally splash paint on a piece of paper and if that's what you're feeling, then that's what you're feeling. It's, it's, it's an, it's amazing for that. It's an amazing tool. Well, and the other amazing part about it is that someone's going to look at it and they're going to be touched by it in a different way than what you felt when you did it. Just like you hear someone describe a song and what their thinking was when they wrote it. And someone else says, I got something entirely different from it. And I love that song. And you go, okay, we all have different interpretations. So if I painted this and I was thinking that, and you thought of something else, the fact of the matter is that I moved you somehow. Yes, can resonate with you, and 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 it's open to anyone. Anyone can do it. Anyone, anyone has that has that ability, and uh, that's that's the beautiful beautiful thing about about art. It's all in us. It's all in us. It's in all of us. Very low barrier of entry. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, um, and I, I think that it's it's easy for people to close themselves off to that and think that they're, that they're not artistic but um i think if you just open up that door even just to crack you'll find there's a really a really beautiful world waiting on the other side and how we're going to close today with another song from the new ep one called forever is never eva before we let you go tell the listeners all about this song please this song forever is never i was in a it's basically about being in a relationship where you know that it's a dead-end relationship you know it's not going anywhere it doesn't have a future. So making that decision to, to pull the plug, to cut the cord and and move on. I love the title. 
Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, congratulations again on the EP and continued best wishes with the rest of the tour. Thank you so much for your time. Really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Listeners, that will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to bass player Eva Gardner. Do visit her official website at evagardner.com and then engage with her on social media. So that means like her Facebook page, follow her on Twitter and Instagram, and subscribe to her YouTube channel, and then go watch and like the Dirty Bird video that you heard her talk about. For that matter, tell her you heard her and her music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Support Eva by purchasing downloads of her new Chasing Ghosts EP from Apple Music. And again, if you are listening from Europe, get on pinkspage.com to see where and when the tour will be so you can see Eva perform live. And then for those of you on the West Coast of the U.S., once she gets back, stay in touch to see when shows are announced so you can go see Eva perform here in the U.S. A reminder that, as I said before, I am available to help with your indie music career. I do a whole lot more than just hosting this podcast every week. I have had clients from here in Florida all the way to California and points in between. When you are on the show website, nhte.net, look for the home button and click to go there and find the article titled Video Consultations Now Available. Schedule a time that we can get online together and talk about what help you need to keep your indie music career going forward. Let me hear about your challenges, your goals, your objectives. We can even share screens if you want to show me your website, your social media, your promotional items, your merch, whatever. Book a private one-on-one session with me. For now, that will conclude episode 283. Thank you so much for listening. We'll send you out with another song from Eva Gardner. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Forever Is Never. Forever Is Never.